Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8 Dublin's Talking Sport Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Curry. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, morning, Ken. How are you? Morning, Wes. How are you? I'm great. I had uh, a good night last night. I was out with some friends, a uh, bunch of friends. We've been known each other for over 30 years. The first group of people I really worked in, in my first big boy job way back when, Ken. And uh, we <laughs> met up last night. And one of the lads booked it. I ended up in Temple Bar, of all places. Oh, no. I was like a, a stag from Newcastle or something last night, <laughs> me and four or five of the lads walking through Temple Bar, trying to avoid um, everything that was going on around me. Mad place. I hadn't been there in years. But uh, we had a bit of crack, and then we went up to Kyo's. We came back to a bit of normality and went back up to Kyo's to finish off Kyo's the evening. Kyo's a lovely pub, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great spot, great spot. So it was good. Lovely. Good to see uh, everybody and... Um, yeah, all good. It's cold last night. I tell you, the temperature has uh, fallen very much so over here. So uh, yeah, same here in York. Yeah, it was snowing here the other day. Yeah, no, I tell you, it's uh, it's, it's dropped. Winter's here, as they say. Um, yeah, we had a bit of sad news with the old Shane McGowan. Uh, it, was, uh, yeah. it was disappointing. I remember. <laughs> yeah, what a what a character. You yeah, know? I mean, uh, some great songs. I toured the old town. I love fairy time New York. You know. Yeah, and of course the Ornish Rovers, one of my it's actually my my team show. Your you party know, song. I was thinking of you when I when I heard the news about yeah, it. I knew that was your yeah, party song. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I remember going to watch them in the Olympia a long, long time ago, and the concert was about eight o'clock, and he turned up a half night. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, yeah, and he just walked out onto the stage, you know, like twisted as usual, and just. Uh, Went there to Dordy Old Town, and just the whole crowd just went mad, you know what I mean? It was just fantastic. Ah, yeah, there was something special. I was re uh, watching bits of YouTube and documentaries during the week about them and that that whole trad punk scene that they yeah, invented yeah, yeah. the Pogues and brought to uh, the fore. I remember actually uh, seeing him in Camden Town in the late 80s. I was over there uh, in London as a young lad for, for a summer and um, walking through Camden Town at about half ten in the morning. And there he was leaning up against the bridge, uh, kind of just... You know he was a bit worse for the wear, but he was kind yeah. of just trying to get himself together. And even then, he had the hat on and a pair of shades, and he was drinking. It looked like a cup of coffee or something like that. And they were saying yeah, he yeah. still looked cool, even though he, he was obviously yeah, yeah, ropey yeah. from the night before. But um, yeah, what, a boy. what a character! What a voice! Yeah, yeah. we lost two of our greats this year. You know, poor El Christie. Yeah, um, and and don't forget Sinead as well. Sinead, yeah. yeah. So it's been a rough year for the Irish music it's been scene. A terrible, yeah, terrible. it has. So it'll be sad, but they'll be remembered well at Christmas. There was plenty yeah, of, of uh, fairy tale in New York going around last night. Anyway, on to happier things. Uh, the snooker has been good all week. There's no oh, question yeah. about it. It's uh, been fantastic, yeah. And we've got a what a semi final lineup we had. And Sullivan survived the scare yesterday. Yeah. Four one up, even 
four, four, five, four down, and then produced two magical frames. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his documentary yet. But I have. I'll tell you, Ken. I finished it, and uh, yeah. I loved it. It was really, really good, and yeah. I, I, I got. But I, I was amazed by it. Um, you know, I kind of knew the background of the history with his dad and that how yeah. that had affected him and all that kind of carry on. But I never realised just how deep the struggles he were have he was having with his own self-doubt and his own ability it was it was amazing to see yeah. him having such doubts about himself and even still you know in the in in his game yeah i know it's amazing been so successful but still having these doubts yeah but the, the mental sort of uh, pressures struggles that he went through you know throughout his whole career you know and from a very young age as well you know i've, I've known him since he was about yeah. 12 yeah. you know and uh Pro but but you can kind of in your head understand it uh, when he was young, yeah, you, uh, you know, yeah, when he was a kid. Yeah. But when he gets to such an amazing success level, but uh, still has these doubts, like the scenes of him coming back in uh, after the World Championships, let's say against Judd Trump, yeah. and where he's gone back into the dressing rooms, like he storms into a lead, he's in control of the game, and he's still having these doubts, and he's still hitting himself and and being yeah. hard on himself you kind of, you'd love to just grab him and just go well, you calm oh, down yeah. Ronnie you know it's yeah, he's a big hulk yeah, yeah. yeah. it was yeah. weird it was very uh, very raw and very very honest very open loved like, it you know? yeah, yeah I loved it it was so really anyway, good you know after all of those trials and tribulations of, of sort of the uh, you know the premiere of that and the work he's been doing and he's, he's back in this is his fourth tournament that he's actually played in the UK yeah uh, this season, so uh, and he's in the semi-final. He's playing Hossein uh, Fafaya, is it? Yeah, from from uh, Iran. And uh, of course, uh, Hossein is the player that um, did the mad break, kind of yeah, disrespected yeah, yeah, Ronnie in that at the UK at the World Championship. Yeah, yeah. end up losing thirteen two. That's right. The bad thing to do. He poked the bear too, yeah, yeah. too many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's going to be the fourth semi-final. Yeah, that's going to be a cracker. And then you've got Joe Trump, who's won three of the last four tournaments. He's, he's playing things are quick. He's won the tournament three times and was in the final last year and had to qualify this year. So he beat Mark Williams 6-5 last night. So that's another cracking semi-final yeah. be tonight, you know. Um, and and the Ding Jung Wee, of course, um, that Mark Allen match. I mean, I was watching that. That's at the yeah. very, very beginning. He was out dead, uh, dead and buried. Really, I think he it was four two. Allen missed an easy pot, uh, and the next thing is he lets him back in, and and uh, Ding Jung Wee just you know sailed on from then right. and won six five in the end. But Mark Allen must be absolutely kicking himself. Gutted, yeah. He was actually nearly pulling out of the tournament. Ding Jung Wee because it's been a terrible ball going around. Yeah, and he had it. Joe Trump had it, and quite a few of the BBC. I've had it myself, but a few of the BBC staff, uh, and he nearly pulled out of the tournament even before that match, right? Uh, against Mark Allen, but thankfully he stayed in. He's won, and now he's in the semi-final. He's over the ball, and he's he's playing great stuff, you know. Yeah, that's no, brilliant. I can't uh, wait for it. Yeah, it's going to be two great times. And what are you predicting? I mean, uh, I'd love to see a Judd Trump, Ronnie O'Sullivan final, but yeah, I, uh, think I think Ronnie will win. win but uh, what do you think about Judd? Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, the way Trump is playing, I mean, uh, it's going to be hard to see anybody stopping him. You know, he's playing superbly well. Well, you know, he's just scoring so well, so confident. His long ball game, his safety game has improved so. Much. 
and uh, he's the complete player now. Mm. You know, and he's not just one of these that just goes for shots, and you, you, you know you can pick him off because he, he's not like that anymore. He's, he's really toughened up the safety game, and he had to. I think he made a conscious decision a few years ago to compete with the likes of the Selby's, the Robertson, the O'Sullivan, Higgins. He had to tighten up a little bit, and it's it's made a huge difference to his game. Well, I tell you, someone else who could tighten up a bit is your beloved Manchester United. Oh, what yeah, uh, what well, is going on? Good, yeah. Three oh, one, no. two nil, three one. Game in control, and yeah. uh, brilliant goalkeeper again. <laughs> I tell you what, he couldn't save green shield stamps at the moment. The way he fell. There's not many out there that remember the green shield stamps, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, only our, you and I are more mature in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but, it was uh, very bad, wasn't it? I know. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's cost us the Champions League. Really, the qualification. There's no doubt. Well, I mean, there's still a possibility we could qualify, but we've got to beat Bayern and hope that uh, Copenhagen and Galatasaray draw. But the likelihood of that is is very minimal. But uh, now it's been very calamitous. Mm. And, and they played well, you know. They created a lot of chances, played some great football. But uh, when you when you've got a goalkeeper that is not secure in the defence and not confident in the keeper, that creates a lot of problems, a lot of doubt, a lot of panic, and uh, that's what's happening in defence. And like um, going away now to uh, um, Newcastle this evening, eight o'clock kickoff. Yeah. That's a huge ask as well. Big big yeah, game. Big game. You know. big game. Yeah, they've they've done well in the Premier League. Yeah. And he's had five clean sheets. So he's, he's done okay, but um, they played the likes of you know, Everton, Fulham, Sheffield, you know, you know Brentford. You know, it's, it's, uh, this is going to be a real test to wait them out. Mm. Newcastle are, have become a proper side now. They have. And, Not uh, playing as well this year as they have, but no, they, you know, they're sitting below United. They've got a few injuries. Yeah. You know, they've played a lot of matches, of course, because they're in the Champions League now and that sort of... Uh, even though they played well, I mean, they were robbed against Paris Saint-Germain there, penalty incident during the week as well. Uh, yeah. But they're playing good stuff. He's a good manager that he had. And uh, he's got some money behind them uh, with their with the owners. Uh, it's made a big difference in Newcastle. But they're a good side. Very tough to be at uh, St. James as well. What a ground. What a ground, yeah. I'll never forget, actually, we were playing... Um we were due to play, uh, Newcastle had a team back then in the rugby and we were due to play them and uh, it got frozen over because it was this time of year actually and uh, mm. the pitch was frozen over so we had to uh, stay f- over but I think uh, that the, their pitch um, was underground heating so we were we were staying on till the Tuesday, we were going to have a replay on the match on the Tuesday so we went to the game and yeah. I'll never forget it, like the Newcastle fans. It was freezing. Uh, it was minus four yeah. or five, and the lads were there, no tops on. Taking their tops, tops off. Uh, <laughs> like roaring and shouting and screaming, Go on, Newcastle! Oh, it was unreal. But um, great experience. Brown, brown yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there was plenty of them. But a great experience. Uh, Shearer was playing back then. It was really good. Yeah, really yeah. good. It's time to talk all things NFL now. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Stephen O'Brien. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm good, Reg. How are you? Ah, oh, never better. Never better. It's nice and chilly out there. I actually like it when it's like that. It's nice and fresh. It was lovely coming in this morning. And uh, our roads were a little bit icy, but there weren't anything too bad. But it was good. And uh, I'm in great form. So they seem to be um, plenty going on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers hitting the news again. Fill us in. 
Yeah, look, you know, look, this is an ACL injury, Reg. I mean, can you give the listeners kind of, have you, A, have you ever No, I've never done the ACL, thank God. I've done medial ligament and a few other bits yeah. of cartilage, but the ACL is uh, is uh, is a serious one, and touch wood, I've never done that. I hope to God I won't do it now at this stage, but he's uh, hoping to still hoping to play this season. Yeah, which is a bit mad. I mean, look, you can hear it in your voice there, right? The ACL, especially for someone in rugby or NFL, it's one of those injuries where, you know, if you get it, you're done for a year at least. And then if you come back, you might not be right after. But look, he tore his four plays into the Jets' career this year, about three months ago. And he had this cutting-edge surgery. Um, and they saw him out sort of throwing the ball around. And people were like, ah, you know, it's all optics. He's, you know, there's no way he's going to be better. But they're talking about that he might be back. So in the NFL, you have to put the player onto this thing called injured reserve. And there's all these rules about when you can bring him back. But anyway, they've activated that rule now. So he's 21 days of this practice window before he could come back. But to me, Reg, it's about selling jerseys because there's no way. When we look at it, sure, we were only on the radio one last yeah. week, the week before, talking about how they benched their starting quarterback because he was so bad. And then they put in the backup and then he started losing. So, look, Aaron Rodgers can't play for three weeks as it is. The playoff chances are, uh, and these mathematicians, Einstein out there worked it out, they're 1% to get to the playoffs. So why you would put Aaron Rodgers out there uh, is beyond me when he's coming off this surgery because there's a couple of assumptions, uh, Rich, that are just bananas to me. I mean, one of them is is that let's just hold off till Rodgers is back because he's so good we'll just stick him out there and then all of a sudden Super Bowl. You know, and it just uh, the chances of them actually being in playoff contention. Now, he came out himself and said, look, it doesn't really make sense for me to play, although he's mm. eligible to play after three weeks, which is bananas after an ACL tear. Um, and then he said, look, what's the worst that can happen? And the worst that can happen, Reg, is he tears it again. Yeah, <laughs> because absolutely. when you look at their pass protection rates, I mean, they've allowed the most sacks, almost the, the biggest sack percentage, the most pressures allowed. The problems that got him sacked and injured in the first place um, haven't changed. So why they would put him out there, I don't know. However, he's come out and said, look, what's the worst that can happen? I injure it again. So what? You know, it's take me three months to rehab. I don't think his surgeon will be saying that to him uh, somehow no. or other. You know, he's 40, yeah, yeah. 40 Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not a young man, so it's not as if I don't know. It seems very, very naive. But look, mm. he's one of these. He came out during it, it, the it week. It sounds like money's m- money's involved, as you said, jersey yeah. selling, marketing, exactly. uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll watch this space. I don't think it'll be something that would uh, be top of the priority list. But uh, look, let's move on to the. Uh, Carolina Panthers. Another sacking of a head coach, Frank Reich, gone after just 11 games. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, you sort of think, look, they're they're the worst team in the NFL by record, the worst, right? So you're looking at that and you're going, well, how much worse could it be to leave him there? You know, and this is a guy, uh, why he got sacked is because he was supposed to bring this offensive sort of powerhouse of a team. Uh, they got Bryce Young, the quarterback, number one in the draft. Um, and it's always dicey, Reg, when you bring in a guy from college, even though he's first overall. We've seen that with Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars. You know, this guy was supposed to be a generational talent, and he's come in and he's kind of found it hard. It didn't help him that he had Urban Meyer there. So, you know, Frank Wright comes in, he brings in the superstar team of coaches as well. And David Tepper is the guy who owns the Panthers. He's thinking, finally, I've nailed it. Because this is his third head coach since he took over to him. And it just went south, I mean, badly south. And it didn't help as well that. You know, the excuse of this is a new quarterback, look, he has to find his feet, he's not going to be great straight away. And then you have C.J. Stroud for the Texans, 
exact same situation and he's absolutely ripping it up. So it made Frank Reich look bad. A bit of a shocker, though, that he sacks him after 11 games because you think about it from a head coach perspective, Reg. Who's applying for that job now? Mm, you know, you're sort of thinking, if I don't get instant results with a rookie quarterback, I'm going to be sacked. He's been through three head coaches now. And he signed him to a four-year deal. So it's not as if he sort of said to him, here, we'll give you a two-year deal. Let's see what you can do. He signed him for four years. Mm. <laughs> so it's kind of like, talk about that. You know where they bring out this thing every year, it's the best places to work. Carolina Panthers probably not, also not the up bottom there. of that list as well. Absolutely. Um, not up there. Okay, tell me about uh, Super Bowl winning Von Miller turning himself into police. Rest warrant yeah. issued for him. What's that about? Yeah, that's a bad one. Um, he's pregnant girlfriend, Reg, domestic assault, alleged. Oh. Um, he's turned himself in. So apparently there was an episode she called uh, dispatch, the police. She named them by name. She described all of the alleged things that he did. Uh, they arrived and they took the police report. They found bruises and all this type of stuff. So she's six weeks pregnant. Now, she's since rescinded everything. Right, and she said, "No, no, it's all nonsense. That's all lies." But the the dispatch is out there. TMZ of all places mm. uh, have the dispatch thing. So he's in hot water now. It's all alleged. Turned yeah. himself in, posted the bond, got out. You know, we're not, we're not calling him saying that he did any of this stuff. However, um, if it stands and if they bring him to court, it's a felony uh, in the state that he's in to um, assault a pregnant person, pregnant mm. woman. Um, and that takes uh, an imprisonment charge of two to ten years. So this is really serious stuff. He's been up in court before and it's been dropped. He's been lucky. But uh, this is a pretty heinous thing to have allegedly done. You, know, you, you would think it should be a felony in every state. Uh, yeah, strange that it wouldn't are, be. Yeah, not, not, yeah. not good news. OK, um, games to watch. Week 13, one team can clinch a playoff spot already. Who is that team? Yeah, Eagles. So the Eagles are right up there. And they're in a division that's pretty tough as well. I mean, if you look down through the divisions, some of the teams, Reds, they're like, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. Um, there's some divisions that are just awful as well. We look at the likes of the Saints and the Falcons. I mean, the top of the division there is five wins. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles could clinch it. Now, they're 10-1. and one. The Cowboys are behind them and they're playing absolutely fantastic. They were out on Thursday Night Football and they racked up another 40-odd points. Um, but yeah, they're 10-1. and one. They need to win, but they also need the Packers to lose and all these other teams to lose. Um, so yeah, it's a bit convoluted, but it's crazy that we're already there. You know, in a 17-week season, um, we're at the stage now in week 13 where the Eagles could lock it up. Mm. And that's what we're going to see sort of going forward is that every week now there'll be some mad permutations to lock up the playoff places. And then after that point, it's just getting the most wins you can Reds to try to get that first uh, round by. So the Covered top the team in the NFC and the AFC, yeah. yeah, they get a week to rest. So that means a lot. Excellent stuff. Okay, well, it is week 13, so uh, looking for some. Give us the ACA there real quick. Right, Lions versus the Saints, uh, minus 4.5 for the Lions. Uh, Texans are coming up against the Broncos. Uh, it's minus 3.5 in favour of the Texans there. Now, you can reverse this if you want, because the Broncos are actually playing quite well, but it's minus 3.5 to the Texans. And then finally, the Chargers are coming up against the Patriots. I always thought Bill Belichick wouldn't be in his position, Rich. He's awful this season, and he could end up losing his job and going elsewhere. But the, the Chargers, they're not great either. But look, that's minus 5.5. It's a bit of a large spread, but the Patriots have let me down on every act of this year, so I'm going against them this week. Okay, so we're going Lions against the Saints, Texans against the Broncos, and Chargers against the Patriots. That's cool. time for rugby now and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Dan Van Zyl. Hello Dan, how are we? Very well, thanks Reggie and thanks for that introduction as the one and only. You're the, <laughs> there's only one of you, there's no doubt about it, thanks well, be to God. 
there's a young one coming up, so he'll, he'll be disappointed in that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, um, no, great to chat to you, Dan, as always. Uh, been a few bits going on since we were talking last. Um before we get into the uh, games for tonight, just a, an interesting development uh, coming on the scene in, in the world of rugby as well. I see um, that Gavin Henson and Phil Vickery, uh, both two well-known household names, they've now added their names to the list of claimants that are um, claiming against the RFUs, the, you know, across the water there, about the concussion issue. Of course, this has been something that's been going on for some time. There are five Irish players um, involved in that claim as well. Uh, and it's, you know, it's it, the list is starting to grow. We've, we've heard about Steve Thompson and the issues that he's had, and we've seen Don documentaries. Mark Regan uh, is another one who's been added to the list. Uh, these are all players I know and played against um, for, for many, many years. Um, and of course, you know, there's there's others out there as well. It's, um, it's, it's becoming a serious, serious problem now, this whole legal battle, isn't it? Yes, Rich. And for me, I don't know where, where I really stand on it, because obviously your, your health is your wealth. You know, but I think you've been in situations, and I certainly have been in situations where, back in the day, you got concussed and you played the next week. You know, not so much on doctor's advice, but because you wanted to. You know, and they didn't say yay or nay. So I can understand the long-term effects, and obviously, there's guys really struggling with that. But for me as well, you know, back in the day, we we signed up to play rugby, and you know, it was part of of the thing. So I don't really know where I stand. I'm very much for protection of players and so on. And I think at the moment it's brilliant. Even at school level, you know, a guy might not even be concussed, but if there's any sign of it, you know, he doesn't play for 23 days. And then even if he comes back, you know, the protocols are, are there around contact training and all of that. So I think for our game, it's, it's a big concern because, you know, if all these unions get, get, um, or if the players are successful in their, in their court cases and so on, where is that going to leave the professional game? You know, and are we going back to amateur days because mm. they, they just won't be any money in the game? Yeah, well, um, I, I know what you're saying and we did sign up for certain things um, and uh, everybody's always learning but there's no denying Dan we can't ignore you know you see the likes of Thompson I look at Carl Heyman I watch the documentary yeah. on him um, they really are they're, they're badly badly affected these guys you know they're in a bad way no, And uh, no, look I, I played with a guy Michael Lipman yeah. uh, you know that that's also in that so I, I certainly definitely understand that mm. and look we don't know the severity of what the other guys are are going through you know but yeah. certainly at the top cases i do think the medical care needs to be there you yeah. know um, yeah. it is just a worry for me i don't know where you draw the line because we all had concussion well certainly again mm. if i speak for myself had concussion and played the next day and uh, sorry the next week and so on so um, but you didn't know better. Or played the know, rest of the so. game in some occasions, you know, and that's just yeah, the, that's so. the reality of it. And you're right, we didn't know any better uh, as players, certainly, but they do now. And I suppose that's the most positive thing to come out of it is that, like you, I see it on a regular basis and I've got three sons that play rugby. Um, 
coincidentally, I have them all in headgear. Um, you know, because it is a worry, and it is certainly something that you think about because it's not something that we're we're. Um, blind to now, you know, we've been we've been informed, we've been told that it's a it's it's an issue, and we take whatever precautions we can to keep them safe. And I think that's probably the best thing that's come out of all of this. But this case is coming, you know, and what it's going to do exactly as you said, what it's going to do to the game, because if if you know you're talking over two hundred in that class action, and more will follow. So the game will be gone, you know, if they all get big payouts and if the courts rule in that that's favour. That's just what I can't... Yeah. That's that's probably just being a passionate rugby guy. That's I what it's hard see, to, to see, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I just don't see where the game is going to... You know, and even once the French start with it, because I think their protocols are a little bit different or used to be, you know. So if French players start doing that to the French Union as well... Yeah. Uh, And in South Africa, is it a major issue as well? Is there cases coming to light now? I don't. Not that I know. Mm. Not that I know of. You know, not not that I know of at at the moment. But you know, it it could be. um, But certainly, nobody that that I know of have, have. filed anything. Yeah, and like, I mean, you know, people hide from saying this, but you shouldn't. I mean, there are, I have heard people saying out there as well that they feel some lads are just jumping on the bandwagon. And I mean, that that doesn't help the cause, you know. I mean, if you've got that feeling there from other people that are going to go and, well, just get on with it. And the, you hear these statements of the game has gone soft and all these stupid statements. It's not about yeah. any of that. It's about the fact that there are genuine cases there that are really, really struggling. And you can't predict what's going to happen in the future with some of these other players um, and how, how, how it'll go that way or won't go that way. You'd hope it doesn't spiral down and that no, they keep getting worse. And, that, and that's probably my point, you know, where do you draw the line between, you know, the bandwagon jumpers and, mm. and the rest, you know, mm. because the Thompsons, the Amons, the Lipmans, as I said, I played with Lipman, you know, and I know what he's going through, so yeah. um, you know, that's severe and something needs to be done about about them. You know? Yeah, and we can't underestimate the others who may be feeling symptoms because we're literally not inside their head and we can't tell. So, uh, yeah, it's, yes. a, it's an on discuss, it's a discussion that's just going to go on and on and on and on. And it's, uh, but I do think, just for the listeners, I do think that rugby is probably the sport that's tackled it the best yes. of, of any other sport, yeah. you know. So certainly, at, uh, you know, I'm involved in mini rugby and youth rugby and so on and, you know, certainly at those levels, it's it's taken very, very seriously. Absolutely, and I do see it myself every week. If there's any um, contact to a child's head, uh, you know, they're taken off the coaches. They just talk, don't take any chances, which is wonderful to see. And that, that will lead to a better, brighter future for it. OK, let's move on to the actual rugby then this week. Um, we've got uh, a great game went on last night, Munster. Um, Big performance from Munster, I have to say. Bounced back well, got a good result um, and some new emerging talent as well in, in the middle of it all. So uh, I think overall, Graham Roundtree, uh, happy with that result. Oh, look, for me, the the big thing about Munster is I think they, they brought a very good intensity to last week's game, you know. Mm. wasn't it Much better than I expected, I have to be honest. Much def- better. Def- definitely, you know, and the bookies even had it a lot more, but uh, uncharacteristic unca- uh, mistake by Tyke Byrne probably changed the game, and then the management of Munster when they were on the line there in the last five or five minutes to go, and they just couldn't get over, was probably the two 
two incidents that got Leinster over the line. But then, as you say, Munster last night, I just think their attack play, they all look so comfortable on the ball. And look, we've spoken about the main players, but for me, Nankerville, you know, he's done something in the midfield, you know, that Munster probably haven't had mm. for, for for a couple of years. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to have coached Thomas Hearn and Josh Hartnett in an Irish youth team. And uh, the way they're coming through at the moment, you know, Hearn has always been, you know, a great athlete and so on, uh, and playing brilliant the last two weeks, last night. And Hartnett, he's just, you know, he's like, uh, 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 <laughs> he's just always there, you know, and yeah. he bounces off people and he's just so energetic and, and so on. And then, a young guy like Kendallin and and um, Gleeson, you know, Kendallin, 50 games or, already or thereabouts yeah. and so on. So I think the future in Munster is really, really bright. You know, Oli Jaeger, the signing of him, because a couple of weeks we spoke about probably their front row is their, is their weakness and so mm. on. But, you know, no, I'm very, very impressed with, with them. And, 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 I, and, and I think they're going to be difficult to beat. They are. And the likes of... Uh, Dogbo is playing wonderfully yeah. well as well. And then Tom O'Hearn, I think he had a man of the match performance last night. Um, he's six foot seven. Uh, you know, again, talent coming through right across the positions. And of course, most importantly, and indeed from an Irish point of view, Crowley as well. I mean, they, they just look like a far more cohesive, settled um team getting back to where they once were. And I think Roundtree, great um, that he's kind of been given a little bit of time to bed in and, and secure the players around him and, and put in his style of game. And now I think we're starting to see it. I think this is going to be Munster's best season for a long time. Yeah, well, you you played against him. I don't know him, but oh, great guy. He, he always comes across so, so well and so honest, you know. Yeah. So, And I think he installs that in the players. And like you say, Munster is starting to get that belief of what they had in the past, although they play a much nicer brand of rugby and guys comfortable on the ball, you know, and so on. So, so I really think they're going to be very, very difficult, you know, and they'll be there, there in the in the playoffs again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's a good performance by Munster, no doubt about it, and uh, they're they're back uh, uh, causing menacing uh, problems for all of their teams again. Okay, we're looking at another great derby uh, this evening um, as Connacht take on Leinster. Uh, a bit difficult to call. I mean, Hansen coming back in there, um, they want to add, add him in to, to create some sort of a little bit of, um, I don't know, threat out there on the wing, but it's whether or not they'll get enough ball. But Leinster... Going with a mix of experience and, and some youth as well. I see Ben Murphy coming in there at Scrum Half, Richie Murphy's son, of course, um, Harry Byrne in there in the 10 slot. So uh, an intriguing little battle going to happen down the sports ground tonight. Yeah, no, look, and Connacht has had a, a reasonable, successful tour, well, a successful tour in South Africa and, and coming back now. I'm, I'm just a little bit worried. I do think, you know, the Leinster team sheet gives Connacht a a good opportunity, you know, to, to maybe maybe get a win. Uh, although I think the, the Connacht midfield, uh, you know, I'm not sure about Ralston uh, yet, you know, and sometimes he plays on the wing and so on. So the midfield might be where, where Leinster will have the edge. And then, as you say, up front, doesn't matter who you put in that Leinster pack, it's always a very, very formidable pack. But for me, the interesting selections is Osborne on the wing, 
you know, is that something that they plan for, for Europe, depending James Lowe, because Leinster always liked that uh, left footer on the uh, on the left wing. And then what are they going to do with Frawley? You know, for me, Frawley should be the 10, um, mm. you know, and stick with him because they almost get into that Joey Carberry mold of a couple of years back where they want him in the side, but they don't know where. Um, and so he did so me, well when he went in 10. Exactly. So for me, that's the two two big things. And then Ben Murphy and Cormac Foley, you know, the two scrum halves who are going to be on the bench uh, come next to, uh, or against La Rochelle, you know, I think uh, is it Foley's physicality or is it Ben Murphy's speed speed off the ball and so on. So I think there's a few things in that selection that that probably is with an eye onto, onto Europe as well and see how the guys can perform. Absolutely. Well, it is intriguing. Uh, one we'll definitely look forward to. A uh, quick mention for Ulster. Do you think they'll be able to get the job done this evening? Well, Ketsoff is there, so mm. I think they'll win. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think he's going to become a, a crowd favourite, you know. And Ulster is, again, um, different to the other sides. They're probably the most, uh, you know, they always, on the team sheet, there's maybe one or two names that changes, but they're the most settled. You yeah. know, so and I think that's why they always have good league campaigns. My my thing is again, how well will they do in Europe? Uh, but certainly, Kitsov brings that leadership. He'll he'll uh, you know the front row will be better with him in there. Um, yeah. But then, just an interesting observation, um, and I don't know if you picked it up, but I know South Africa has got a lot of critics in the past of a six-two split, and all the South African sides playing in the in the URC is going with five-three, and all the Irish sides are going with six-two. So there might be <laughs> there might be a change of thought in in the yeah. Irish camp. Declan. We're getting down to the business end of the season. Yes, good morning, Reggie. We most certainly are. Three Dublin teams chasing provincial championship glory today. Kilmacud Croaks, the Dublin and Leinster and All-Ireland Club champions football, of course, looking for three in a row. They take on Nace this afternoon at Croke Park from 2.15. Brian Talty will be along to look ahead to us for that one. And then following that, Nafina's maiden voyage continues apace. They make the shortest trip for their biggest game of the year to Croke Park. They will face O'Loughlin Gales of Kilkenny in the Leinster final from five past four. Sean Lane, regular hurling analyst, is in studio with us. And a big day tomorrow afternoon too for the Kilmacud Croaks ladies. They're involved in All-Ireland Senior Championship semi-final action. Kilcarran Clonbairn of Galway are the opposition at Parnell Park and Ashton McClary, the PRO of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association, will be along later to look ahead to that one. Uh, the action actually starts this afternoon uh, early at Parnell Park. We uh, extend every best wish to Scully Connell, who take on Alan Wood in the Leinster Intermediate Championship Football Final. One o'clock is the throw-in time there at County Headquarters this afternoon. And some housekeeping before we go on to look ahead to all those big games. Congratulations to Luke and Sarsfield's minor hurlers. They won the A Championship in the county last week. They beat Kilmacud Croaks by 119 to 118 in the final at O'Toole Park in Crumlin. Cahill Kennedy, a long-range winner there for the Sars. And the two clubs will be back at the Crumlin venue this afternoon, or this morning, I should say, at 11.30 for the final of the Under-21A Hurling Championship. And certainly, if that's half as good as the minor game last week, anyone that makes their way to O'Toole Park this morning will be in for an absolute treat.
Okay, we're actually going to start with hurling this morning because Sean Lane, who is in studio, uh, has to be uh, somewhere else a little bit uh, later on. But uh, good morning, Sean. First of all, welcome back. Morning, Declan. How are you? Very well, very well. well. As I said in the intro there, Nafina make the shortest trip for the biggest game of their year, the uh, Leinster final against O'Loughlin Gales of Kilkenny, five past four this afternoon. After winning the county title the first time in their history, they've played two games in this competition, beat Raharney of Westmeath, and follow that up with a victory over Nace of Kildare last time out. What have you made of their progress in the competition so far? Yeah, they've been very good, Declan. I mean, go back to just the, the, the four last games in the Dublin Championship. They bet Bowden twice. They bet Croaks, who were going for three in a row. And they bet a very sticky Luke inside, you know, where they didn't score a goal. And they're good at getting goals, but got over the line. You'd have to say they probably got the easier side of the draw. They, they did get the Westmead champions and the, the Kildare champions. But put it into context, like the Kildare champions did beat Cameras of Liege, who was run by a Cuddy on the day. So, you know, th- that's progress enough, you know. And and uh, But, you know, they're going to be missing Donald Burke today, which I think will be a, a big loss. And maybe this today will be a day that that will be a big telling factor. The Raharney game could have been a potential banana skin for them because they'd won the county title. So you don't know what the, the mood is like, the atmosphere is like, the attitude is like within the group. So they've passed that test uh, brilliantly. But how much today is it about playing the game and not the occasion? Because it is a massive occasion for them. Yeah, it is a huge occasion. And the fact that you said that, um, you know, that, that they only have to come across the road, I, I believe they'll have a huge support there. They're a huge club. They've over 4,000 or close on 4,000 members. Um, you know, and I do believe, and I said it there just a second ago, like Donald Burke, you know, without him on the field, I know it's great to have him in the dressing room. I, I just think he's so much experience that they've been brilliant without him so far this year, but they'll find it just difficult, I think. It's a vacant Leinster title, of course, today, because Ballyhell Shamrocks were beaten in the Kilkenny Championship earlier on. Now, I think you're going to surprise me with who you're going to tip today. I, I'm very, very surprised at this. <laughs> well, look at that, uh, you know, my, my heart be with Nafina, and I, I don't like predicting someone I, I don't like win but if you just take O'Loughlin Gales and give them their due they're kind of they're measured against a different benchmark like Dublin getting to a Leinster hurling final and, and winning it is a huge thing but O'Loughlin Gales have won five Kilkenny Championships starting off in 2001 they got to the final in 2011 they were beaten by Claren Bridge Michal O'Donoghue the current Dublin manager was the manager of Claren Bridge in 2016 they got back to a Leinster final and Coola beat them and went on to win in All-Ireland Across the road in O'Loughlin Gales, you've got a crowd called The Village, James Stevens, And Kilkenny being so passionate about hurling, like, there's razzing goes on there, but kind of, you never won a club championship, you know. So, they've won a Leinster championship. I just think, you know, the, the experience that O'Loughlin Gales have in the field, Mikey Butler, he took up that, that young screenie from um, the, the Kilcormac the last day, did really well. You then have Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan, they've huge experience. The inside forward line of Nafina will really have to be on top of their game and we know they can play but I just kind of tip uh, O'Loughlin Gales with a bit of experience particularly the three guys I've mentioned they've played All-Ireland Finals there they've played Leinster Finals there they've loads and loads of experience so I, I just will go for O'Loughlin Gales in this The naughty elf is off the shelf he's fallen out with Ballyboden St. Dennis and now he's going to fall out with Nafina because he's tipped O'Loughlin Gales Ah oh, well, well we'll wait and see but we do one thing we do agree on is we wish them every good wish Absolutely. and success this afternoon to Neil O'Callaghan and the boys Sean as I say you have to be somewhere else so we'll let you go thank you very much indeed for being with us in studio this morning and the very best of luck once again to Nafina this afternoon, five past four. Now, before that, we have a massive game uh, also at headquarters. 2.15, Kilmacud Croaks looking to defend their Leinster and Ireland club titles when they take on Nace 
um, there this afternoon. It's the third consecutive year indeed that the sides will have met in the Championship. The previous two wins going the way of the Purple and Gold men from Park to Brooker. Delighted to be joined on the line now I think by Brian Talty this morning. Good morning to you Brian. Good morning Declan, how are you? Not so bad, I hope we didn't take you away from the Christmas shopping. No, unfortunately I'm out here in Abbottstown trying to have a look at pitches, see if they're available for, for teams today, you know. So. Oh, very good. It's cold morning out there. Yes, indeed. Indeed, Crumlin, Crumlin Camogie team had a great win out there the other night against Nafina in, 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 their, in their league. So, well done to them. Anyway, look, it's Crokes and Nace this afternoon. It's to say, Brian, the third consecutive year that they've met. What have you made of the progress of the All-Ireland champions through their Leinster campaign so far this season? Yeah, they're, they're, they're going reasonably well, to be honest with you. But when you look at a team that have the forward line that they have, you know, it's just unbelievable. And, and the work rate all over the field is, is, is massive. And like, I think that has improved even since the Dublin Championship, you know. And, and uh, you see the likes of, you know, Shane Cunningham, Paul Mannion, all these sort of backtracking back and putting in tackles and winning balls and then setting them up up front to, to other really good forwards. You know, it's... it's uh, it's going to be a tough one for Nate. I, I think Crocs are improving that wee bit, but they just need to be careful because they don't really put teams away at Declan. Like they're kind of leaving it there. And, you know, if Nate were to get a goal or something like that, you know, it could change the game. But, but um, I just have the feeling that uh, they'd probably be too strong for Nate today, but it could be a good hard battle. Yeah, they were cruising against St. Mary's of Ardy, loud champions last time out, and they, they fought their way back into it. Now, ultimately, I think it was a five-point win they recorded on the day, but you say that's something they have to be mindful of today because Nace would be a step up with all due respects to, to the loud champions. Yeah, yeah, you would expect that, you know, and that's what I'm saying to you, Declan. Crokes have kind of been doing that where they've been, you know, going well ahead and then letting the teams come back. And and I think even a few years ago, Declan, that was the same thing as well. Like, But, but they kind of get over that, to be honest with you, went on one So, so uh, no, they just need to be careful um, because Nace have played them, as you say, in the last uh, two Leinster finals. Uh, certainly have learned a lot because... Joe Murphy's in charge who played with him. He's, he's a smart man, a smart manager, you know. So they'll have learned a bit. Uh, and then with forwards like, you know, Derek Cowan, uh, Alex Byrne, and, and the, the also that the have uh, two guys, two Hannafin brothers who, who, if they hit form as well, can cause huge problems. So they need to be careful not to not to expect, you know, not to think that the game is won or whatever. They need to keep driving on and getting more scores. And finally, Brian, as the, as the song says, three is the magic number. Do you expect Kilmacud Croaks to be three in a row? Leinster champions come about half past three or so this afternoon? When you look at it, when you, when you have a, a team that has a forward line like with, with Walsh, Mannion, Hugh Kenny, Darren Mullen, Shane Cunningham, all these guys are massive forwards, you know. So, so uh, I expect them to win it. Uh, expect them to win it, maybe five or six points, you know. But uh, I think they have to put up a good battle for most of the game as well. Okay, should certainly be an interesting afternoon's fair. The throw-in time is at a quarter past two. Brian, thanks very much indeed for your time. We'll let you get out to your uh, back to your pitch inspections there this morning. <laughs> Got a meal of got there to Brian Talty. Hope to top indeed to Brian before the end of the year for our review uh, as well. Uh, well. It's been a great year for Dublin GAA overall. So just to recap, Croaks versus Nace, 2.15 this afternoon at Croke Park, followed by Nafina and O'Loughlin Gales in the hurling decider at five past four. Very best of luck to both our county champions there this afternoon. Now speaking of county champions, the third of our senior one champions have a massive day at Parnell Park tomorrow afternoon because Kilmacud Croaks will be taking on Kilkerran Clonburn of Galway in the All-Ireland semi-final from two o'clock. The Galway ladies are the reigning All-Ireland champions 
So it puts into context the size of the task facing the Stillorgan ladies tomorrow. Ashling Leclerc is the PRO of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association, good friend of the show, and joins us to have a quick look ahead to this game tomorrow uh, afternoon. Good morning to you, Ashling. Morning, Declan. How are you? Ah, sure. Listen, I'm very well, very well. Just contemplating the Christmas shopping list in the back of my mind here while while doing the show. It's not easy to multitask. I can tell you. So long as you're, as long as you're well wrapped up now this morning. Oh, absolutely. I will be absolutely. Now, massive game tomorrow. Croaks taking on the All Ireland champions Kilkerran Clonbairn at two o'clock. It doesn't come much bigger than this for the purple and gold. No, it really doesn't. But the advantage of being in Parnell Park for them is absolutely huge. They're familiar with Parnell Park. Obviously, they played they played multiple. Uh, Dublin senior finals there so that's going to be a big advantage for them but yeah absolutely Kilcair and Clonburn they're going for three in a row senior titles so they're going to be a massive massive challenge Yeah couldn't have, couldn't have been a much tougher draw for, for Croaks what have you made of them this year Ashling? They've been very good I watched them in the Dublin final and I think they were lucky at times I think Nafina could have put them to the sword a couple of times um, but in the Leinster Championship they really opened up and really just cruise to the final. I know they struggled a little bit against Milton of Westmead in the semi-final, but the, their experience kind of talked them through. And in the Leinster final, they just blitzed Maeve Kieran. Um I think 15 minutes in the game was, was pretty much wrapped up. Um, they were absolutely brilliant. Their, their movement of the ball, um, Ava Rutledge was just phenomenal for them. Um, and I think they're... they're Maybe it's coming at the right time of the year for them a challenge like Kilcairn Clonburn. And of course, they have the the heartbreak of last year to to push them on uh, tomorrow afternoon as well. They were beaten the semi final stage as well. Yeah, there's, there's nothing like having that in the back of your head. Dunamoyne from Monaghan, you know, were a formidable team, and to, for them to be to, to be defeated last year, it'll only feed them going into tomorrow. They'll know the the skill and the talent. They've Alva Navarin in there that's going to know an awful lot of those Gal, Galway ladies. Um, so it'll just make the, the the contest tomorrow just really interesting. Well, they've made great progress, of course, out in um, Stillorgan. They, they had heartbreak of county final losses before winning it last year and, you know, making it back-to-back this year and back-to-back Leinsters as well. So tremendous strides have been made there. But uh, quarter past three, 20 past three or so tomorrow afternoon, um, Ashling, will it be the best of the East or the best of the West in the All-Ireland final? Well, I'm going to go with best of the East. I reckon they might just have enough. I'm hoping that last year's kind of idea will drive them on, that they'll feed their hunger. They're going to want to be in Crow Park in two weeks' time for an All-Ireland final. Um, but we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. Yeah, well, it promises to be an absolute cracker. If you're in around the Parnell Park area tomorrow afternoon and looking for a, a stable diet of, of Gaelic football, that's the place to be. Kilmacud Croaks versus Kilcarran Clonbairn from 2 o'clock. Ashling, thank you very much indeed for joining us. If we're not talking to you before the, the big uh, festive season, have a good one and thank you very much for your contributions to the show throughout the year. No bother at all, Dick. Thanks a million. Thank you. Good morning, there to Ashton Clary, PRO of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association. We told you it was a massive weekend, Reg. And the best of luck once again, finally, to all our teams. It's time for football now. Delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Alan Cawley. Good morning, Alan. How are you? I'm good, Reggie. How are you? Ah, wonderful, thanks. Yeah, um, you were covering uh, the game from studio last night. A good 1-0 victory, I suppose, uh, as Declan was uh, mentioning to me here beforehand. They were 4-0 winners uh, earlier against Hungary, so maybe 1-0 and an own goal isn't all that flattering, but job done, and Eileen Gleeson's team still evolving. Yeah, 
Yeah, job done, and I suppose that's the objective at the start of every match is to, to get the victory. And But they'll be disappointed with the performance, Reggie. I thought it was probably the worst they've played in a long time, particularly in this Nations League campaign. Um, as you said, Hungary are ranked 42nd in the world. We beat them 4-0 away from home. Now, they had improved a little bit as well, and, and they were a bit better. But I think Ireland will be very disappointed with their first-half performance. Second half, it did improve. Uh, they were on the front foot a little bit more and pressed up higher, and, and even in... A lot of the passages of play were in the hungry half and the goal was fortunate, as you say, but they were a bit better in the second half. But overall, I think Ireland should be happy with the victory. It's their last game on home soil of the year. Obviously, the game on Tuesday night is up in Belfast, but, but to be looking to rectify the first half performance, certainly against Northern Ireland on Tuesday. That won't um, be as easy, though. I mean, uh, in for a tough uh, uh, task on Tuesday night in Windsor Park. Yeah, because Northern Ireland had a good win themselves uh, last night. They beat Albania and now, obviously... They've put themselves in with a chance of obviously qualifying if they finish second or to get through to a playoff. And I think that would be the main objective for them, of course. So there'd be a lot riding on it. Even though Ireland are through, the group has won the top table. It'll still be a very competitive game and a difficult game because Northern Ireland obviously feel as though they'll have a chance if they were to get the victory to qualify. So it will be a tough game. Um, and I felt that was probably part of the problem a little bit last night as well. I'm not saying they were complacent, but I think they underestimated hungry a little bit and you know yourself Reggie you can't just rock up to any match and just turn it on uh, you have to be obviously fully focused and give the opposition respect no matter who you're playing in every match that you play and I just felt in that first half there was a little bit a little bit of that of what I've seen a couple of little incidents even in the first half where I just felt they might have underestimated hungry a little bit they obviously had a discussion at half time I'm sure that was uh, the message that Eileen was trying to get across and in the second half they did play much better Alan, good morning. It's Declan here. How are you? Hi, Declan. Very well, thank you. The managerial situation remains unresolved. As you say, Eileen has one more game. An interim charge was against the North on Tuesday in uh, in Windsor Park. Uh, some speculation yesterday that a decision may be made on the job pre-Christmas. Um, I think, personally, I, I think what she's been speaking about during the week, I, the more I hear her, the more I think perhaps that, that she wants the job. But is she going to get it, do you think? I agree totally, Declan. Um that that viewpoint has completely changed in my eyes just from listening to Eileen. Like at the start, she totally ruled it out and said that she was going back to her role in the FEI um, and she was quite happy with that. But the longer it's gone on now with the five games, she's won the five games, she's had a taste for it. There's been a bit of a response from the girls. I definitely think Eileen wants the job now. But the question you ask is, will they give it to her? I don't think so, Declan. Um, and that's nothing against Eileen. I just think what they've played against in these five games, I don't think you could give her the job on the back of that uh, because the opposition has been so weak in those games. So it'll be a big call if they were to give it to her based on the fact that she's just won these five games against lesser opposition. But I'm sure she's in the mix. I'm sure she's putting her, her hand up. I don't think last night's performance would have helped because she named a really strong team. And I felt that was with a view to putting in a really strong performance almost like a statement victory, statement win to say, here I am, here's the manager staring right in front of you. But obviously that performance didn't materialise and, and I just don't think they'll give it to her, to be honest with you, Declan. Mm, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, and it's hard to know, sorry Reggie, who they yeah. will give it to because we don't know the 12 that were on the, the candidate list. It's different to the men's team where obviously the names are being bandied about mm. um, and we can all kind of speculate on who we think might get it or who we want to get it. Whereas with the women's list, we haven't really seen that list. There's been four or five names mentioned. All right, One of them is Alan Mann, who you'll be totally aware of, Declan, as well. Obviously, he's involved with Man City for the last 
uh, five or six years and he has a good grasp and good handle on the women's game and he has a high profile in terms of being a former Irish international I think he's in the mix and I think he'd be a good one Yeah, be, uh, yeah I suppose the question there is uh, has it moved on enough for it to be uh, a, a man or does it need to be a woman you know or is it the best person for a job there's always going to be that argument uh, as well you know that uh, they might want to go for a, a woman in, in that woman's role to me, it's just the best person for yeah. the job, Reggie. Yeah. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest, uh, whether it's a man or a woman, whoever's the best. And if that means I lean off the back of what she's done and they feel as though she's the best, well, good luck to her. Mm. Um, or if it's somebody from the outside and it's a man, good luck to him, whoever the case may be. Yeah. I think we see that crossover now in a lot of the sports. And as I say, I have no issue with that whatsoever, Reggie. Yeah. It's the best person for the job. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Best person uh, for the job. And it's good to see the funds have been released by Sport Ireland as well. Uh, all of that controversy around payments and everything else seems to be resolved. So uh, that, that that frozen money uh, has been issued to the FAI. I'm sure they're delighted with that because that'll help uh, with the process as well. Okay, um, moving to uh, across the water a little bit and maybe some of the performances or non-performances during the week. We have to talk about... Uh, Man United's collapse is the only way I can describe it. Like you go two up uh, twice in the game and you still can't hold a result. Yeah, very poor, Reggie. As you say, whatever about going ahead by two goals once in the game, but to do it twice and still get pegged back. And of course, it's down to, the, I suppose, the mistakes again from the goalkeeper and the fragility mm. of that defence. I think it's a combination. Obviously, all the blame will go on him because he's the goalkeeper and it's an individual mistake and when you make that of course the, the finger is pointed at you but when you look at the amount of goals they've conceded this season so far in the league and the Champions League I think it's a combination of that back four as well um, on top of the goalkeeper struggling so there's a lot of problems there in fairness to them their league form in recent weeks has been quite good mm. um, and I think they've picked up five out of six wins which is great form it sounds like on paper I don't think the performances have reflected that form and the opposition has helped as well because they've played a lot of teams in the bottom half of the Premier League and teams you'd expect them to be, albeit they're just scraping over the line bar that Everton won. So I don't think all the problems are fixed. Far from it, actually. But that was a really poor result uh, to be 2-0 up and 3-1 up. And it puts them in a difficult position now because they're bottom of the group going into the last game. And the last game is against Bayern Munich, albeit they're fully qualified. Depends on how they approach it, but I still think it'll be a difficult night for Man United. Yeah, I think so. And uh, uh, yeah, Newcastle are uh, a solid, a solid team. There's no question about it. And uh, but they're not playing as maybe as well as they have been. That's that's. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, I see Spurs. So Guardiola is uh, ha- hailing the arrival of Postecoglou and, and Spurs. Um, so you'd be happy enough with that? Yeah, I think sometimes I, I listen to his press conferences and especially before the match and he's so lavish in his praise towards the opposition manager and sometimes I, I just I just can't take it seriously yeah, yeah. but I definitely think <clears throat> on the Postacoglu one he would certainly appreciate the way Postacoglu wants the game played and the way his teams play because Guardiola is obviously of a similar mindset so I'm sure he respects that and appreciates that the problem for Spurs going into this game is not only is that they're playing against the best team in England or the best team in the world you could argue um, it's that there's so many injuries, Reggie, and that's been the problem for them. And obviously, the last three or four games, we know that they got off to the unbelievable start. Everybody was potentially saying could they be in in the title mix? I never felt that, but I definitely thought they'd be in the top four based on the start that they had and the way they were playing. But they just can't afford to lose the likes of Madison, Romero, Van de Ven, Bentancourt because the the squad is so thin. And that's no reflection on Postecoglou. He's only in the door. He'll need another maybe window, two windows to strengthen that squad. 
we already seen that he strengthened the team. He just needs to strengthen the squad now, and that's just going to take a bit of time. Uh, and I just think it'll be a difficult afternoon for them, purely based on the fact that they're missing their best players. If they had all their best players in 11 v 11 against Man City, I'd give them a good chance. And of course, Liverpool all had a fine win in, uh, during the week as well on Thursday night to uh, maintain their progress in that particular competition. Great to see Cuevin Kelleher get a start in goal as well. Keep a clean sheet. He's going to get a run of games. We're not quite sure how many he's going to get, but he's getting a run of them, which 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 is important and really big opportunity here for the Corkman. Yeah, massive opportunity, Declan. And I suppose these are the little windows that he does wait for the opportunity if Allison gets injured, and that's the way I suppose we viewed Queeving over the last four or five years is that he's the understudy to to Allison. But I was only looking even last night, and I'm not sure what what you guys think. Uh, just because there's a lot of debate and discussion around the fact that you know, he needs to leave, he needs to go out and play games. I wouldn't be of that view at all. You're at Liverpool, one of the biggest clubs in the world. I know his game time is limited, but you're still learning off the best. You're in amongst the best. He's still 25. I just think with this window, I think we could view it more as if he was to get in, and he will play obviously the next four or five games, as you say, keep playing sheets, do really well. I think then he's in a position, Declan, that he, he's able to go at the clock now and say, look, I'm in competition with Alisson. I'm not an understudy anymore. And I think you should be picking whoever's the best, whoever's playing on form. I'm not saying he's better than Alisson, but Alisson was very poor last week. He can certainly make well. the case. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>